following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Yeah, dude, do you remember back in the 90s when they had all those kiosks in the mall where you could get, like, tie-dyes, your hemp? There was a lot of Jimi Hendrix, The Doors, and, and like, the Grateful Dead shit. It was, like, that weird resurgence in the mid-90s of, like, the hippie era. Yeah, it was uh, New Age Creations. That's where all the, all the hippie 13-year-old shops. Well, those were, like, the big-time shops. I'm talking, like, those little tiny ones that were just, like, popping up all over the mall like herpes. I think they had little kiosks, too. Did they? Maybe. I don't know. I think they were they were just drug fronts, honestly. Yeah, probably. I, I don't know, man. It, it's so weird. Like, they had that... There was that weird resurgence of the hippie movement, and it was around 95, like, when Jerry Garcia died. I fucking hate the Grateful Dead. I hate the hippie shit, so I don't fucking know. August 8th was a beautiful day. That's when all the, um, all the teenagers who got into pot before everybody else, that's where they shopped. Like, they had the tie-dyes and, uh, hemp necklaces with those giant wooden beads, and they had the white kid dreadlocks before that was cool. And that was if never it, cool. If it was ever cool, yeah. I don't think it was so. never cool. The only white kids that could pull off the dreadlocks were the insane clown posse because they were clowns. Debatable. But okay. okay, I mean, it, it, you're lucky I'm not there in person. Why? Did you, did you suck my dick? Because you're, you know, you're talking shit on the family, bro. <laughs> New age yeah, families have those... a lot of clowning around. <laughs> Dude, which, all which those... I mean molestation. <laughs> But all those, like, fucking hippie kids that, like, were smoking weed before everyone else when yeah. we were, like, dude, they all grew up to be just, like, fat country bumpkins. Yeah, it's because their their lives included a lot of sloth from an early age. Probably because of all the pot. Well, yeah, and, uh, and high doses of Grateful Dead, which is good for nobody. I don't know, man. Like, I'm a big pothead, but I'm not going to sit around and listen to the dead. I hope not. No, in, and I... In that case, I would have to come out there. And slap the clown back into you. Yeah, and suck my dick. It's the only cure for hippie bullshit is suck each other's penises. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone. We're damn, damn scary. Damn, scary. And we're slowly getting better at that intro. I don't know, maybe. No, but we are killing your brain like a poisonous mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> you picking up on this yet? Yeah, yeah, I am. 2022, we got a theme going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there of, it is. A lot of twos in this year. Oh, so many twos. Wow. Hey. Second year of the second decade of the second millennia. You said that all wrong. Yeah. Wait. 2000 is a millennium, right? I did say that right. Yeah. This is, fuck. This is because I went to New Age Creations when I was 13 years old, and now I can't fucking think right. Yeah, to get yourself a hemp necklace with a sweet mushroom glass thing on there. Remember those mushrooms? I can smell the patchouli from here. Oh, are you are you trying to get me hard? The mind wanders, thinking what odors that's covering up. Oh, just the funk. Yeah, hippie kids. Ugh. Now that it's been like uh, 25, 30 years or whatever since that shit happened, 25 years since that like happened, it seems like that hippie resurgence is happening again because 
everything is fucking tie-dye. Greg, right. you know that I actually, I, 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 I fell victim and prey to the tie-dyes, man. I, I got my, yeah. Yeah, you fell hard for that. But it's only natural, man, because since, uh, you know, our timeline is as cyclical as it clearly is, back in the day, what first came was the goth kids, who are now the yes. goth adults. And all that drab, black, uh, writing poetry in the dark by candlelight bullshit obviously gave way to the more colorful, tie-dye, free-spirited attitude of the hippie movement, which uh, in the 90s, it was like the second round of hippie. Now I think we're coming into the third round of hippie. Not only do we have goth adults, now we've got hippie adults. So the third wave of hippieism is, I, I feel like this version doesn't smell as bad. I don't think there's that much bush. I think they're all a little more self-conscious than they used to be. Yes, and I think that this third coming of the hippieism mm -hmm. is kind of guided by TikTok. Yeah, well, because they don't have a Garcia to guide them, so they need a computer. Ah, that makes a lot of yeah. sense. Just watch. Yeah. There's going to be a TikTok simulation of Jerry Garcia, and he's, he's going to lead the children to the Funyuns. I'm high right now, so Funyuns sound amazing. I wouldn't worry about any kind of significant revolutionary activity from these people. They're going to make their way to a couch. That new generation of hippieism, they're not going to be protesting anything. Yeah. They're a bunch of pussies. Well, I think the word is slacktivist. I think that's what they are. Slacktivist. Oh, God, I hate that. It's, it's synonymous with hippie. Ooh. Yeah. But anyway, well, as scary as that is for the future of our nation... Uh, yeah, good right, luck with get, that future. Let's get right into the news. Hey... The director of The Purge. Mm -hmm. Ty West. Uh, incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about Ty West eventually. I'm, listen. I'm, I'm guessing. I'm throwing it out there. Hey, hey, listen, fuckface. We're getting a little <laughs> too carried away with the misinformation here, okay? All right. I want this to be a factual podcast, not fucking satire. This isn't Saturday Night Live, my friend. All right. All right. Changing so, my, my whole mindset here. We're, we're yeah. getting real. We're getting real. All right. You got to be less Mad TV okay. and more Fox News. Real, okay? <laughs> How many N-words would you like me to include in this episode? <laughs> All right, director of The Purge okay. has said that he has cast Pete Davidson. If you don't know who Pete Davidson is, maybe you've been living on a rock because he's literally fucking every celebrity in Hollywood. And not just every celebrity, but the, the smoking hot ones. He's also uh, the king of Staten Island. Yes, so apparently the homeless tattooed meth look is in this year. Yeah. Well, this is called The Home, where Pete Davidson is working at a home, an old folks' home. I'm glad he finally found one. Hey, he's just in there, stealing all the pills and having sex with all the lovely ladies popping their dentures out. But it turns out that there's more going on in the home, that there's uh, some nefarious stuff going on at night with okay. the residents. Besides the old people fucking? You know, Greg... My because first job was a retirement home, and there was a lot of old people fucking going on. Can I ask you a quick question? Yes, sir. How nefarious were you when you were doing that job? So, when we were in the kitchen, I got really, really, really pissed off one day, okay. and I took a big thing of dough like oh. uh, to, make, to make dinner rolls with. I dropped the dough in my pants, and I pulled it up, and I went, ah, and then I dropped it. And I proceeded to make dinner rolls with it. Oh, the old dough diaper. That's a classic. Yeah. Yeah, a little, little flavor in there, my friends. Yeah. But then my, uh, my conscience actually got the best of me, and I purposely burned them all. 
okay. because I, I started to, to feel bad. I did it more for the wow factor with everyone working in the kitchen at the time. But I feel you, you did it just for the sensation. I mean, it did feel kind of cool. I'm imagining it right now. Like, honestly, yeah, I might go home and make some make some biscuits. Hey, Greg, that's one way to get a yeast infection. <laughs> I thought I knew them all. Yeah, so uh, apparently there's a lot of fucked up shit going on in this home, and uh, that's yeah, where Pete Davidson put dough in their ass crack. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, and then they just start eating them out. No, dude, dude, old people, at re- so maybe not like a, a nursing home, but retirement homes, Okay. all those residents, they just fuck each other, man. Goddamn, at least they don't have to worry about getting each other pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> because of the hysterectomies. Allegedly, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to accuse anyone of actually having a hysterectomy. I don't know at what age that becomes appropriate, but you know, <laughs> you're old enough to be in an assisted living home. I assume that maybe most of your parts probably don't work anymore. Hey, man. Quick question. Yes. Uh, just because of your, your past experience uh, rubbing dough on your genitals and feeding it to old people. Um, <laughs> when they pass out pills in these places, obviously they're all medically prescribed by the resident doctors, right? So if these old people are fucking each other, like dry, just dusty ass, <laughs> are, are they being prescribed Viagra? No. I don't know because what I worked at was a retirement home. There was no – nobody was assisted there. Well, how, how was, do their penises work? They get Viagra from their doctor. Like they didn't actually yeah. like give it out like in the bingo hall. Did the orderlies have to bring it in the little cups? There were no orderlies. I got to keep telling you. Well, what this you? was a retirement home, not a nursing home. I, wait, there's a difference? Yes. So it goes like this. It, you reach a point in your life where you're retired, you don't want to take care of your home anymore, and you don't really want to get a condo. Yeah. You want to stay at a place where you can meet other people. Yeah, your family's sick with. of your shit. Uh, yeah. Uh, so you go to a retirement home and you live there. It's when you're still capable of taking care of yourself. Well, really what uh, it is, it's a euphemism for when the rest of your family retires your annoying ass. That's a nursing home, my friend. To the friend. purgatory of other old people where you can just kind of <laughs> bug the shit out of each other all day and argue over uh, Jeopardy answers. There was an outbreak of chlamydia at this retirement home. Wow. Good for them. Dude, seriously. Right? I mean, I hope I'm that fucking lucky when I'm... Yeah, right? I would best. love to fill the STD polar bear crawling around my urethra when I'm that age and just to be like, hey, got a little I'm- discharge. Can't wait until I'm numb from the waist down and I can just do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, right? You can punch it. You don't feel it. Yeah. Bring on the wheelchair. <clears throat> wheelchair sex? Yeah. Dude, it's great. Uh, also, we had this guy, Geriatric Jerry, who tipped over in his wheelchair in the elevator and he spent the night in there. It was awesome. Did you give him that nickname? Yes. Okay. No, nah, he was a cool dude, but I would call it, we would all call him Geriatric Jerry, and he's like, ha, 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 you kids keep me young. Why don't you come up and have a beer with me? We were like 16, 17 years old drinking with this fucking dude. It was yeah. awesome. What would you do if one of them died? They did. While you were drinking with them? Oh, oh, no, 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 but they did die. Like, it was sad. Like, well, yeah, of course uh, they did. It was, uh, yeah, it was they're sad. Old and they, they're, they're obviously participating in... Extreme hedonism at old age. Like, of course, someone's heart's gonna pop. Everybody's getting the fucking clap. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, Look, that's incredible. Yeah, well, I uh, I had to deliver food to a room once, and the 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 guy that answered was like, "Hold on, I'll be there." And then he I answered the door, and he's buttoning up his uh, his shirt, 
And uh, it was Franny. Franny was like about 400 pounds. And I, I saw her, her large, it was like a, a beached whale covered in a blanket on his oh my bed. God. Yeah, it was great. And I'm like, oh, Howie, you slick son of a bitch. Give this fucking whale the clap. Don't give me too much credit. She died two hours ago. <laughs> You're here with the Viagra? <laughs> oh, man, when you accidentally come in a girl, but it's okay, she won't get pregnant because she's dead. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Freddy. <laughs> Please don't well, haunt me. <laughs> we called her Franny the Bull. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, yeah, so Pete Davidson's going to be in a horror movie is what I'm fucking getting at. Hell, yeah, he's going to experience all the terrors of dead geriatric corpse fucking. Yeah, welcome to Damn, That's a Retirement Home. We're your host. <laughs> Damn, that's Franny. Uh, dude, there is, of course, we got uh, an onslaught of reboots coming up. The one I want to talk about is Always good. Bl- Blumhouse. Uh, Blumhouse is putting out a fucking reboot of Firestarter. Okay. It's going to be rated R. Jason Blum is dipping his balls deep into uh, Stephen King shit now, apparently. Those those Stephen King remakes are all the rage, still are, I think. We're kind of fading out after the success of It and It Part 2. Ugh. Yeah, I know your little secret. And it's just like, oh, the the guy blows dudes. Like, who fucking cares? It was the exact same movie a second time. It was fucking terrible. It was so bad, dude. It was so fucking bad. And when they CGI'd the little kids to make them look younger, Michael Jackson is rolling around over in his grave. Not because he's upset, because he's so horny. Because you said CGIing the kids to look younger as if it was a bad thing, and he's like, blasphemy! Because <laughs> that's how he sounds now that he's dead. <laughs> blasphemy! Much different voice. He sounds like the fucking sorting hat from Harry Potter. Billy Jean is Hufflepuff. <laughs> All right, now I know you had a chance to check out the trailer for Ty West's new film because you mentioned Ty West earlier. Oh, Ty West, my new recent favorite director. Ty West, what films did this fucker do, Greg? Pop quiz, hot shot. The Sacrament. Yes, very good. The Sacrament, one of my favorite movies about cults. House of the Devil. Yeah, 2009 House of the Devil. If you guys have not seen it, Watch it now. It is streaming, I think, on fucking every platform. It's fantastic. And there, there was one other uh, that I haven't seen. I don't remember the name of it, but I'm rocking a solid 66 out of 100 on this test, so that's a fucking pass. In the Innkeepers. Face. Hey, you know what, man? Two out of three ain't bad, just like Mr. Loaf said. Yeah, his word is gospel. It, uh, honestly, yes, it is. Ty West is coming out with this new film called The X Factor. It has a mix of... Texas Chainsaw Massacre with maybe The Visit? Yeah, that is a good way to put it. It looks like it's got a little visit, but like in a good way, not in The Visit by M. Night Shyamalan way. Yeah. Yeah, absolute Texas Chainsaw vibes straight down to the, uh, they didn't come right out and say it, but I'm assuming it's like a 70s setting. 1979. So here's uh, the brief synopsis. In 1979, a group of young filmmakers set out to make an adult film in rural Texas. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's something you could really beat uh, off to. Yes, there it is. Flog the dolphin. Cram two dogs in that tub. Oh, I'll put three dogs in that tub, oh, my oh. friend. Hey, that's just insane. Hey. Too many dogs. Too many uh, dogs on the dance floor. <laughs> 
Yeah, so they, they set out to make an adult film in rural Texas. Okay. But when their reclusive elderly host catch them in the act, the cast find themselves fighting for their lives. Ooh, this just got sexier with the appearance of an old person. It is rated R for strong, bloody violence and gore. And since they're making a porno, Zack and Miri style... I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of nudity in it, and I cannot wait. And it looks like the antagonists of this movie are a very, very old elderly couple. The trailers got me really hyped up for this shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. I am so pumped. There was a scene where the, the one porn star is freaking out about the elderly woman that was in bed with her. <laughs> and it, 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 she was touching me! Sick bitch outside! Sick bitch stays outside! <laughs> I hope this is as sexy as that Pete Davidson movie. Yeah, hopefully. But hey, man, rated R for a bunch of fucking gore and blood and shit. And you got an old couple in the middle of Texas fucking up a bunch of porn stars. Like, this is awesome. It's definitely original. <clears throat> no, but I mean, it's like the, your, your typical teens going off and fucking... Yeah, so this is. time they're just they're doing it to make a movie. Yeah, it seems like they, they ramped up the fucking angle, and then they made the antagonists way older. It actually looks like there is a sex scene between the old couple. Oh, God, I hope so. Yeah, that's hot. <laughs> I hope it's in the locked bedroom of a nursing home, and then a young protagonist named Micah comes and <laughs> knocks on the door. And <laughs> said it is Franny the Whale. Uh, <laughs> Franny the Bull being softly made love to by Boxcar Willie or whatever the guy's name was. <laughs> did you hear about uh, a new Final Destination movie? Did I? Yeah, man, Final Destination 6. There oh, isn't yeah. much of a synopsis on it, not much is known about it, but it is a fact that Final Destination 6 will find its home on HBO Max. Well, you know what? With this series, I don't think you really need to know much about it. All we need to know is it's Final Destination. Dude, I'm so stoked for this. There's going to be a group of teenagers who narrowly avoid death at the beginning. Yep. And then for the rest of the movie, they go through wacky, elaborate Rube Goldberg devices of death until they're narrowed down one by one. It's going to be fucking awesome. It's going to be oh, probably, yeah. probably way more violent and creative than ever because they always have to top the last one. So fuck yeah, sign me up. I love this series. You know my favorite Final Destinations Part 3? Okay. That's the one with the roller coaster. Yeah, the, that's a good one. The roller coaster is a good one. You can't go wrong with really any of them, honestly. You they're, can't. They're all great. Dude, the best part about Final Destination compared to something like Saw or Paranormal Activity, you know, those movies where they just constantly pump out one after another, you know, fucking Insidious and shit like that. Oh, you mean is every that, horror franchise ever? Uh, all right, all right, all right. Let's not pulled Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street into this shit because those are light years ahead of this shit. Sure. But, uh, Different era. Dude, but these Final Destination movies, even when they're bad, they're good. Saw is a good comparison because it's in the same, it's in the same category. Plot is so inconsequential to the whole thing. The characters can do and say whatever the fuck they want. I don't care. I'm not paying attention. I want to see crazy, elaborate saw traps. I want to see... How they can go from point A to B to C to fucking Z with weird sequential mouse traps, like the mousetrap board game of death in Final <laughs> Destination. Like, really, all they need to do is get a, a writing room together to just think up wacky shit. 
that results in somebody's head getting chopped off or somebody getting a knife to the face or, or whatever. I enjoy the creativity of it. The Saw movies, I call new metal horror. Yes. They are the definition of new metal horror. Yeah. Epitomized by the fact that that dead guy from Linkin Park was in one of them. Chad Kroger. R.I.P. Rest his soul. You, you can rest now, Chad Kroger. Good night, sweet Chad. We never knew you. Yeah, so, like, if your favorite band is Linkin Park or your favorite band is Disturbed, chances are your favorite horror movies are Saw. That's why they did that cross-marketing promotion. You remember Mushroomhead? I do. They walked so that Slipknot could run. And take all their money. Like, these clowns from Cleveland are doing this bit, we're gonna do it even better, because we're from California. Nothing compared to those clowns from Detroit. Oop, 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 oop. Oh, they made dreadlocks so cool. Even they didn't stick with it. No, they did not. How do you feel about the Foo Fighters? I'm for them. Uh, how would you feel about a Foo Fighters horror movie? Like everyone else, I think I'm certainly looking forward to their 10th album. Oh, are you? So it just so happens there is a Foo Fighters horror, horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Foo Fighter movie. It just so happens there is a Foo Fighters horror movie. Hell yeah. It, it looks like uh, some kind of monster or whatever the fuck that shitty ass Metallica documentary was where they all had to go oh, to God. therapy. Yeah, do we get to watch one member of the Foo Fighters cry on the shoulder of another member of Foo Fighters while oh. the biggest asshole in the band berates them all? Then Dave Mustaine shows up and starts crying with them. Because that sure worked for Metallica. Oh, God. I it, As if I, at that point in life, I already kind of started to hate Metallica. When that fucking movie came out, I'm like, you know what? I don't think I like Metallica anymore. Yeah, fuck it. As much as I love Metallica's early work, at this point in music history, I would much rather listen to the Foo Fighters' 10th album than Metallica's 10th album. Yes, so the Foo Fighters are working on their 10th studio album in the movie Studio 666, where apparently this house is haunted and Dave Grohl becomes possessed by a demon. Yes, which I feel like is a, a glimpse into my future after spending all this time in this haunted studio myself. Oh my god, it looks great. It looks gory. It looks funny. Dave Grohl is a fucking gem. The guy's in the fucking Queens of the Stone Age sometimes. Sometimes. He has, he has that uh, Crooked Vultures gimmick going on. Sometimes. He was in that, that one band in the 90s. I fucking forgot the name. Paradise or some shit. Uh, with uh, 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 Kurt Loder. Why did they approach me? I have no idea. I don't know. I, don't know. I just, you know. I... February 25th, in theaters, Studio 666. I, for one, am going to check this shit out. I hope you do, too. I hope everyone fucking goes to see it, because it looks like a good fucking time. Rock and roll. Music shouldn't come with pictures. So, Greg, you're having some issues over there, huh? Yeah, I took this Viagra, like, an hour and a half ago, and they, I mean, they say it's... <laughs> Three to six hours and it's... <laughs> uh, so if you've been living under a fucking rock, you would know that uh, Scream is coming out right now. Hell yeah. Uh, now, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check it out tomorrow. Greg, I hope you get a chance to see it. Some reviews are in right now saying that it is the best Scream since the original. I've heard that. that. It, plays, it plays on nostalgia. That it's super cheesy and campy. And but David I guess Arquette it's... is in it. David Arquette! I think he wrestles the Scream guy. Everyone's favorite Arquette. I mean, who are you going to go for? Patricia? 
the one that became a girl, then became a boy again, and then ended up dying? The shitty those... younger brother Dale with the club foot? Oh, fuck Dale. Yeah, he's weird. Oh, I bet his club foot looks like a fetus. He's always walking in circles. <laughs> Easy there, buddy. I don't, want you to, I don't want you to put your foot in your mouth. Ugh, it's all covered in hair. But uh, I'm going to check out a matinee tomorrow, so we'll report on Scream next week for you guys. But I hope everyone checks it out. Give horror your money. Apparently, this, this really honors Wes Craven. You know, mind, he uh, said horror. Horror. Uh, yeah, I know some of you are out there giving horrors your money, which, you know, is also a noble cause. But I just, I just want to make sure the message is clear. Give Look, dude, prosti- your money. prostitution in the state of Nevada is legal, okay? Uh, I apologize. Sex worker. Sex workers. Give sex workers your money. And They're working hard for your money. They do. They don't have a choice. Their lives are tough. Riddled with addiction. <laughs> Some of them have college degrees. Some of them just like to F. Yeah, what's wrong with that? I didn't imply any kind of uh, negativity in his saying, you know, sometimes. Hey, man, he's Leather's Joker said, if you're good at something, never do it for free. Yeah, so, Scream, man, I'm pretty pumped to see that one. Which, I, I guess that just leads to one thing, and that is, uh, Matt, I think it's time to cue the piano. Thank you, Matt. All right, I, uh, first and foremost, and actually the only thing, I got to apologize to my dad. Oh, my dad listened to the episode last week, uh, episode 67, Space Glissies, What Are You, My Dad? Probably the greatest episode we've ever done. Easily. Uh, easily. I should probably uh, and, apologize to him, too, as well. It's, and, uh, and we should apologize to your dad, too. Um, Sorry, dads. My dad does none of the things that we said. At least you won't admit to it. Somehow, the dad jokes triggered the... St- the ghost, stu- uh, the studio ghost, mm, uh, yeah. young young Larry Bird, because my uh, my dad listened to the episode. It upset him, and I think somehow the ghost traveled through Spotify to where my dad is in Mexico. Because my dad was actually walking back to the place they were staying from dinner, and he straight up like Wiley e. Coyote fell into a manhole. Hold on. Does he have Spotify Premium, or is he using the free version? Uh, he's using the free version. There's a problem, man. You get haunted. It doesn't have the ghost filter on it. One of the features of Spotify Premium is you uh, you keep the ghosts away. They're not able to travel through the internet across the country, but go on. Okay, so he fell in a manhole like a clown. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Everything, every shortcoming, Sorry, I am Barry. blaming it on the ghost, so I want to apologize... <laughs> I want to apologize to little Larry Bird that we angered him so much that he took it out on my dad, yeah. who fell into an uncovered manhole and sustained injuries to the point where he cannot go into the ocean. Our shenanigans have had a real, actual victim this time, and honestly, I do, I, I do feel bad. I hope your dad feels better. I know we, we have a lot of fun here. We make jokes, but uh, yeah, it's, it is it's tragic when a man falls into a manhole uh, walking on the sidewalk. Fall into a manhole. Right what are you, my dad? <laughs> Gary, I'm sorry. Feel better. Yeah, 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 Dad. I'm sorry, man. But at your expense, it's pretty fucking funny. Um, fucking Benny Hill. <laughs> <laughs> so, kind of piggybacking off of your apology, 
I do have to apologize to little Larry Bird. Um, I think we were a little aggressive in the past. We did upset you. You know, there's the whole Ouija board thing. Ouija! With the plantain, we harassed you. We asked probing questions of you. We dug into your past. We intruded. Um, yeah. Of course, there were all the insults. There was all the aggression, all the threats, all the insults. Shouldn't have done that. It, it really only serves to upset you in the afterlife. And I've, I've spoken to many people in the recent week or two since we discovered your presence, and they all kind of advised me not to fuck around. Because I, I can only assume you're capable of dropping me into a manhole at some point, and, and I don't want that. No, I don't want that. Um, so I gotta admit, especially after what we went through last week, mm-hmm. um, after we were recording, and yeah. I, I gotta say, it's getting very scary here in the studio. Damn, that's uh, scary. If I may say, damn. I was going to finish that video. And I mean, honestly, I don't know how long I can deal with this, uh, this haunting, this abuse, this, um, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Fuck you, kid. This is non-apology. I'm taking it all back. I don't give a shit about you. I don't care how shitty your life was or how you died or how many wieners you ate while you were still alive. I don't give a shit that you were locked in a cage. I don't give a shit that you were treated like a bird. I don't care who did it. I don't care what the situation was. I'll kick your bitch ass with a smile on my face. I will fucking destroy you. I will eat you alive, Larry Bird. Bring it on. Bring it the fuck on. Fuck you, Larry. Yeah, and and also I apologize. Yeah, you're acting like a real tough guy, but last week... I might not make it out of here alive tonight. Yeah, uh, when you had me on that video call... I was scared, and you were fucking terrified. I was, actually. There was fear in my heart. Um, I could hear your heartbeat. Well, we were on a video call. We both heard it. Uh, we both heard strange noises in the studio. There was a door slam. A door, that door slam fucked me up, dude. Um, which, I mean, we were alone in the studio, and that door definitely slammed down the hall. Yeah. And then when I went to go check it out, all locked. Ooh, Larry. <laughs> fucking loser. What kind of fucking scare is that? And then, that uh, ghost is more advanced than the aliens from Science. Right? Yeah. yeah. You can open doors. Probably, <laughs> I bet he can drink water, too. Yeah, uh, not like those bitch-ass aliens. But then when we were, uh, when I was walking down the stairs out the front door, uh, we heard a noise in the hallway above that sounded like, uh, how would you describe it? I, I, it sounded like a cardboard box full of, like, books being pushed across the floor. A like, shuffle. Like a shuffling of something heavy being pushed along the floor upstairs and it happened more than once yeah that was weird and yeah gotta be honest freaked me out a little bit i was a little scared but now i'm back and i'm overconfident <laughs> so i'm ready to tell you to go eat shit larry bird eat we'll shit larry bird here, suck our to, dicks here's to larry bird sucking both our dicks all right, so clearly Larry Bird is, like, over 100 years old, but he died when he was a little boy. Does yeah, that make us bitch. pedophiles? No, only bitches die when they're little kids. That's a fact. I'm saying if Larry Bird the ghost were to suck our dicks. Also, uh, apologies to anyone out there who has a deceased child. I am deeply, deeply sorry for that comment. Um, I don't I'm, give a fuck. I'm specifically talking about just Larry Bird in particular. He sucks. Yeah. I mean, I don't give a fuck about your kids, but whatever. I mean, true. I'll fight them. I'll fight them just like I'll fight Larry. But anyway, that's the apology. That's that's it. Sorry, not sorry. Mostly not sorry. Fuck you, eat shit, and die for a second time, you crappy little ghost. All right, now that we got that off of our chest, it's time for us Still to sure. travel beyond the unknown okay. to the outer reaches of space! 
month. And we do not have a clever pun for you this month, but we do have a long A. You like so that? many A's, a couple C's, and a very long E at the end there. Okay. Now, this week, we decided to bring space to Earth. Because, so Earth, as we all know, according to Copernicus, Galileo, and one of those other uh, Greek gentlemen, is in space. It's actually in our own solar system. Continue. Wow. Greg. I couldn't have said it better myself, my friend. I'm laying down the knowledge for you. I actually looked these things up earlier today. We are bringing space to Earth with 2005 Bruce Campbell's Alien Apocalypse. Hell yeah. Greg, this was one of your picks for this week. Shit, I'm not going to say it's my least favorite Bruce Campbell movie. Oh, you son of a bitch. But it's, it's, it's either this one or The Man with the Screaming Brain. And it's not saying it's a bad movie. I'm just saying it's on the low totem pole of Bruce Campbell movies. Oddly enough, they were both produced around the same time for the Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah. I think they were they were both written and proposed by Bruce himself. And uh, Sci-Fi went ahead with both of them. And it turns out they were the predictable, low-quality Sci-Fi productions that you would expect. I'm not saying that it's bad. It's just one of my least favorite Bruce Campbell movies. Oh, you said what you said. I, it doesn't mean I hate it. And you know what? I'm going to tell Josh Becker. <gasps> you wouldn't. Yeah, I would. I got him on speed dial because oh. he works at the Burger King right around the corner from my house right now. <laughs> and he's just he? waiting for my call. Is he, is he working on anything? Yeah, a Whopper. <laughs> yeah. Of course, directed by... Josh Becker, who I don't know if he is actually uh, guilty of directing anything else, but he sure put his mark on this one, and you can tell. It bears all the signatures of a Becker classic. It's got low-grade CGI. It's got poor acting. It's got even shittier writing. This is a Becker all the way. I like Becker's Better Than Ezra cover band, Becker Than Ezra. Or that show uh, starring Ted Danson, Becker, (laughs) that he also was in and directed. He's a little bit of a narcissist. I actually do remember Becker. I think it's actually in his contract that if you mention Becker, he gets to slap you in the mouth. I mean, I don't know, dude. Josh Becker actually did do something that I thoroughly enjoyed when I was little. Oh? Yeah. You remember You remember Kevin Sorbo's Hercules? Do I? Occasionally, they would have, like, made-for-TV movies that weren't just part of the show. Yes. Do you remember in 1994... Hercules in the Maze of the Minotaur? I do. I remember 1994 vividly. That was actually a really good one. Yeah, he did that. Did that cross over into the Xena universe at all? I don't know. Maybe. Because I know they did a lot of Hercules and Xena uh, team-ups. which are, That's always fantastic, if you ask me. Yeah, they did do that. And I uh, really hope Josh Becker was involved, because, I mean, for his sake, he, he could use the, the resume. No, he actually did do another Bruce Campbell movie in 1997, uh, Running Time. Have you seen that? Actually, no. No, me neither. I thought I saw all the Bruce Campbell movies, but... Yeah, apparently we didn't see this one. An ex-convict who's Bruce Campbell, who swears he is going straight, begins robbing banks again after his release in prison. This came out in 97. I can see that being entertaining. I would like to check that out at some point. Yeah, so apparently Bruce and uh, and uh, old Becker, maybe they're bros. Old friends. Yeah, firm friends. Colleagues. Buddies. Compatriots. Pals, maybe? Comrades. I got nothing else. You know what, man? Let's get into my favorite part of the show. All right. 
Let's go into our cast of characters, and brother, I think there's quite the handful in this one. Oh, you're not kidding, man. I mean, we're going to start with the obvious, with Captain Chuck. Oh, yeah, brother. Just kidding. We're going to start with Dr. Bruce Campbell, <laughs> who is, of course, a doctor. He is a spaceman. He is a revolutionary leader, a generous lover, but also, and I think I don't really have to overstate this, a cocky, overconfident, suave, sarcastic, real Bruce Campbell type. Yeah, he's really playing a Bruce Campbell type guy in this movie. I don't think he had to try real hard to be Bruce Campbell in this movie. God damn it, that guy could do no fucking wrong. I feel like he ad-libbed a lot of these lines, and I think they said, you know what, we need a, we need a Bruce Campbell kind of astronaut here. How about you put on the suit and just be Bruce? And he was like, he I can do that. He's like a a lighter version of Ash from Ash vs. Evil Dead. The whole script is like, it's, it's like Army of Darkness light. By which I mean, light on effects, light on acting, light on budget. This is, <laughs> is kind of Army of Darkness light. And we'll get into that when we get into the plot. But next up, we have a short-lived character that I dubbed Lieutenant Limpy C. Buzzkill. Oh, she's such a buzzkill. She sucks, but she is a space woman slash terrible actress. She is paranoid. She's pessimistic. She's crippled, whiny, a slowpoke, but most importantly, she is a bullet sponge. You know what? Nobody in this movie got shot better than her. It's great at just eating bullets with her heart. Yep. So that's a skill worth noting. And then, <laughs> as I mentioned before, in all seriousness, now we have Captain Chuck. Who is not just a space man, but a space boss. He is aggressive, he's bold, he's courageous, he's indignant, but he's also stupid enough to get his head eaten within 10 minutes of landing on Earth. So that's it. Yeah, it did not take long for him to lose his head. But if we want to talk about some characters who are a little more permanent to the storyline, let's go with Lieutenant Gabrielle, named thusly because of her part in Xena the Warrior Princess. Oh! You may know her as Renee O'Connor. Mmm. Or maybe do you I? don't. It sounds like you don't. Do you? I I, I well, watched Xena. She was the sidekick. Oh my god, that was her? Yeah. Holy shit, Greg. It turns out her, Lindsay Lawless, and Bruce Campbell... Lucy. It turns out her, Lucy Lawless, and Bruce Campbell all worked together quite a bit around this time. And hey. this is no exception. So this is Lieutenant Gabrielle. I don't know what her real name was. Doesn't matter. Because she is... A space blonde. She is an innovator, a communicator, a marksman. She's a diligent slave, a wood pusher, and a cave copulator. Oh, is she? Yeah. I saw both the eyebrow raise and the tent in your shorts when I mentioned that. And by the way, not just that, dude. And I gotta point this out. This movie came out in 2005. And she's wearing an astronaut suit that is, like, just kind of painted on her. They have very different astronaut suits for men and women. This is a fact. This has always been a protocol. I don't know if you Oh, this. absolutely. Yeah, where the men's are baggy and kind of comfortable, the women is very... They kind of hug in tight on the curves. I feel like mm -hmm. this spacesuit was purchased off of Fashion Nova. It's NASA regulations. Now, this is 2005. This is at the time where boobs were still in and butts weren't really a thing. And this girl is thicker than a Snickers. She's kind of known for that, and I have to say, I mean, even with the, uh, I, I wouldn't even call this a skimpy outfit, it's really just, it's more of like a spandex spacesuit, but it is, it's a little bit more modest 
than anything she ever wore in the Xena series. Yeah, looking back on that, absolutely. So next up, we have Jeff. My damn Jeff! My damn Jeff! He is a wise man, a narrator, the narrator, which would make him kind of the Morgan Freeman of this production, a slave historian, a survivor of the invasion, a 35-year-old that looks 70, and also a useless waste of creamed corn. Isn't he, though? Absolutely. So then next up, you're going to love this one, because I know that this is both of our favorite character in the whole film, and I'm sure you can guess just based on that. This is someone that I named Pebbles. Pebbles <laughs> is hot but ignorant. She is inquisitive yet naive. A mostly nude cavewoman, a bowmaster, a trailblazer. She is a peacemaker. And if we're really getting down to brass tacks here, she is an object, by which I mean a thing. Yeah. She is a sexual being. Oof. This was a while ago. This was the early 2000s. She was thrown in there because she's hot, and she really doesn't have a whole lot to do as far as the plot. I don't think I'm really stretching things here. I don't think I'm being overly sexist, because I think there was a point to this character, and it wasn't her intelligence. Yeah, no, not at all. Terrible actress. She yeah. was just in it because she looked good in what she was wearing. And you could tell Renee O'Connor was just a little bit jealous of her role in this one. You could see there was a little bit of competition going on. And, you know, a little bit of playful infighting, and I think that added to the drama. Ooh, did it? Yeah, I don't know. I'm making that up. <laughs> so, our next guy is, you know, going with that theme. Little character I like to call Bam Bam. <laughs> Bam Bam is a slave. He's a caveman. He's unkempt and kind of special. He has nine fingers and a pubescent <laughs> lust for adventure. Also, most importantly, Bam Bam is a rebel at heart. Sure. And he's got a big heart. Because he probably drank as much caffeine in his lifetime as I have. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving right on. We've got someone that I affectionately dubbed Pussy Willow. And I think you'll Which, you'll know who I'm talking about in just a moment. she in a John Waters film? <laughs> this man is the filthy jerk-off leader of the Free Village. Oh, this guy. He is meek, he's cowardly, and he is sexually attracted to invertebrates. He's always wondered how snails fuck. Yeah, he's a fucking pervert. A weird pervert. Continuing on, we've got Bob. Big Bob. He is a horny pervert fisherman and a true dipshit. And that's all I got on Bob, because as you'll notice once we get deeper into the plot, there's a lot of characters in this movie that don't really have a whole lot of character to them. They just kind Bob of is up. literally the Cyclops from Cannibal the Musical. Yeah, except he loves fishing. You looking at my fish? Are you looking at my... Ah! And so last but not least, we have a important character. Maybe not to the plot, maybe not to uh, the major events of the story, maybe not even to the film as a whole. But I love him. El Presidente. <laughs> he is a painter. He is a poet. He's an artist. A visionary. A badass. A born leader. But he's also the washed up last hope of mankind. And to be completely honest, he looks like a skinny meatloaf. It's Peter Jason. He was Peter Jason. He's famous for... Uh... They Live. Yeah. They Live. And they live. He was also in, uh, a, a couple months ago, we covered Willow Creek. He's in Willow Creek. He lost a bunch of weight and he did Bad Out of Hell too. I remember everything! 
He's in a movie with John Wayne. He's in Prince of Darkness. He's in The Ascent. He's in Trick or Treats. Trick or Treat uh, 2, Back into Hell. God damn it! Damn it! Dude, the guy's in fucking arachnophobia. He's a legend. He's in arachnophobia? He's, yeah, he's in arachnophobia. Did he play the fucking Queen Spider? Who was he? <laughs> he was the football coach. Oh shit, he was, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah! The pervert football coach. Well, that's all I got for characters, so, uh... There's more, but we'll get to there, them. Oh, there's so many more, but they, they come God and go. God damn it. They just come and go, because the writing is great in this movie. Alright, and I guess, I, I know we mentioned it, but I have to emphasize again. Alien Apocalypse mm -hmm. is literally a made-for-TV sci-fi movie. Yes, but that does not stop it from uh, praising itself with the lofty tagline of... Army of Darkness... Meets, meets Starship Troopers. Yes. And if you're watching this film along with our review, which I know you all are, you'll learn whether or not that's accurate in time. It's, it's fucking accurate. Yeah, it's perfect. It's, it's 100%. That is what this movie is. I mean, I, you could also throw in Passion of the Christ. You throw in a little bit of a bug's life. And actually, if you really want to analyze the CGI in this one, my interpretation was... It looks a lot like if Ants was crossed with Fallout. Oh. That, that's what this CGI is. Wow, that's weird. Right? But entertaining. Yeah. I like A Bug's Life more than Ants because it's less molesty. I don't remember which one is which by any means. A Bug's Life is with uh, Dennis Leary Oswald. and uh, the big Nazi caterpillar. Oh, so that, and, one was, uh, that one was about crabs. Okay. And then uh, Ants is uh, Sylvester Stallone giving Woody Allen advice on how to not fuck his daughter. Oh, that's the one where they were all uh, scabies. How many anime movies have you watched where there's literal fucking rape in it, and they're they're considered at this high regard of like being the best movies ever to these fucking cucks? Every single one. I think you'd you'd have an easier time counting how many anime movies you've seen that didn't have rape in them. There's rape in Vampire Hunter D. There's rape there's, in Akira. There's rape in Ninja Scroll. There's rape in The Last Airbender, probably. There's rape in Pokemon. There's rape in Dragon Ball Z. There's rape in uh, Digimon. There's rape in Naruto. There's rape in Cowboy Bebop. There's, there's rape in Rape Astronauts, which is probably the name of an anime. <laughs> There's rape in Wicked City. Wicked City's considered to be one of the best anime movies ever next to Ninja Scroll. And Akira. There's rape in that! There's rape in all of them! They're all rapists! It's all, every single anime is a rape movie. I do it. So my buddy, the Blade from AEW, my, my, Pepper Parks, my buddy. I think you're cool. So he was doing a tour in Japan for two months, wrestling okay. over there for like New Japan and shit. Cool. He would go to a grocery store, and right on the newsstand... We had to say dickity, because the Kaiser had stolen our wear 20. He's flipping through it, and he was like, Oh, that's kind of weird. It's a guy in a, in a ski mask, all right. The next page, 
It's like he's knocking at a door. And the next page... I'd like to digress from my prepared remarks to discuss how I invented the turlet. And then, like, the next is he, like, comes in with a cloth. And then he just, like, skims through really quick. And it's full-on rape. And it's literally sitting in line. Yeah, well, I may not have a fancy black bathrobe and a hammer like Snooty, but I do have slippers and an oatmeal spoon. I don't know what to say about that other than... What are you cackling at, fatty? Too much pie, that's your problem. All right, buddy, so now that we took a quick diversion to Japan and back, how would you like to get right into the plot of Alien Apocalypse? I thought you were going to say Resurrection, and I got excited for a second there, thinking that that was the movie we picked this week because the bottle of wine got to my head. This is my last glass. But we opened the movie with, obviously, the prompt saying a sci-fi original... It goes into a narration, and the camera pans through woods, a creek, uh, or where I'm from, we like to call it a crick. We get a little bit of nature porn, where the narrator is just filleting Mother Earth over her vast arboreal variety. We get mention of the giant redwood, the Douglas fir, the vast maple forests, and... Oh, he goes on and on. I felt like it was Forrest Gump with Bubba, Bubba Gump shrimp. You got yourself bald cypresses, apple trees, cherry trees, got your pear trees, walnut, you got your chestnut. There's so many types of pine. Hell, you got your coconut, you got your palm trees. Let's not forget about the willow trees. But you get the point. We're, you we get it. We have a narrator that really emphasizes the trees of Earth, because that's going to become relevant immediately. This was... Before the invasion. This was before the infestation. This was before the mites took over. The mites! We cut to a slave driver who whips in line a bunch of human prisoners as a space vessel crash lands in the background. Coming from the space vessel, we got ourselves a ragtag group of astronauts. Uh, What were the names that you had for the, the leads again here? Well, Dr. Bruce. Yeah, Dr. Bruce. We've got Captain Chuck. Captain Chuck. And most importantly, Lieutenant Gabrielle. God, I love her. And they're walking, and Captain Bruce is talking about how he's a doctor, and maybe in the future there aren't a lot of doctors, and that he could become the healer. He's bitching that, about supply and demand for doctors on Earth now that they've been gone for, what was it, 40 years? 40 years! They're back, and he's wondering if his services are even going to be useful anymore. And also, uh, I, I think at one point we see a license plate that shows us that we're in Oregon. That's further hammered home by the fact that we see the ruined city of Portland. But uh, Dr. Bruce wastes no time hitting on Lieutenant Limpy, who's having trouble walking after 40 years of cryosleep and a crash landing. Yeah. He has a broken leg, and uh, Bruce is just kind of helping her along. They come upon the destroyed city of Portland, which has been in flames since 2020. <laughs> and <laughs> they are quickly accosted by slavers. Uh, bounty hunters. One and the same. The captain introduces himself, saying, Greetings, we're friends. And this immediately pisses them off. Oh, it does it. He gets knocked out and taken prisoner because they say, You cannot talk to us. And this is our first red flag that something is amiss on Earth. Oh, you're going to tell me that this is the first red flag, not the fact that fucking Portland is in flames? I mean, that's nothing new. Yeah, that's true. So our heroes are taken for a little bit of a march 
But of course, Lieutenant Buzzkill, who has not stopped bitching up to this point in the film, limps a bit and lags behind. And what happens to her? You know what? Just like when Biscuit broke her leg, you gotta put her down. Yeah, it's a tragedy, but... Hey, man, it happens. So, she gets unceremoniously shot directly in the chest. But she does not survive the next bullet. Yeah, they give her a double tap. So, they are taken to a lumber yard in the forest, where human captives are being forced to log at gunpoint, which, to me, just sounds like hell. Let me paint a picture here. You have bounty hunters that have very baggy leather pants, MC Hammer style, with suspenders, and uh, shirts that I could compare to something that the Serps would wear in, like, The Witcher. Uh, I was going to say that. They have uh, beards that look faker than the beards in uh, Cannibal the Musical. Yes. Which also, like, why the fuck would they just cast men that had beards? Like, you had all these actors with fake fucking beards and wigs. Like, just have guys with actual beards. It's not that hard. You don't don't really know a whole lot about Hollywood, my friend. I Um, guess I don't. To act like you have a beard, you actually have to have acting talent. Like, the beard ah. has to show up. Like, if they cast you as a bearded man, you have to be able to act that beard. And these were very low-budget actors, so they clearly were not able to fulfill their roles. Like, okay, the but also the uh, the slaves, they don't look like they really have it that bad. I mean, they're just oh. moving, they're just moving two-by-fours yeah. from one pile to another. They take our three remaining heroes, three people, I need to emphasize that. They take three people and put them to work moving 10-foot 4x4s from one pile to another, which is only about a 6-foot distance. Have you ever picked up a 10-foot 4x4? Yeah. Of course you have. One person can do it. Yes. And they're, It's they're not that of, hard. They are lifting these up, three of them all at once, lifting them up, pretty much shifting them from one shoulder to another, and then setting them down again. There's not even a point to this work. This isn't even work. They're just, they're they're shifting a pile six feet over. The cream corn that the slaves are eating is enough to cover up the calories that you're burning from this. If these fucking aliens were paying me in corn all day to do this, I would gladly take this as a job. Absolutely. I would be like, are there benefits? Like, what are the hours? I'd be like, okay, great. This is better than what I'm doing now. I wouldn't even consider this slavery. They're giving me a cave to sleep in. They're feeding me in buckets of corn. This is the easiest job in the goddamn world. No, this is great. You're working outdoors. It's beautiful where they're at. Get a nice tan. I don't know if I would even need the gloves. I wouldn't use the gloves because these boards looked very smooth. Yeah, well, you got those man hands. You get a nice callus on them after a while. Splinters don't even penetrate. Just like in Ninja Turtles. Before they get a chance to move much wood, (laughs) they're taken to a large beehive slash bird nest slash alien throne room. And this is where they are forced to meet with the leader of the mites. The leader of the mites' name is Meatwad, and he goes... Hello, you gotta take off their mask right now. I said do it. And these mites are jittery bug-like aliens who they look like large goopy balls of meat. To put it another way, meatballs. But to put it even another way, meat wads. Yes, uh they look like the aliens from District 9, just from a PlayStation 2 video game. Yeah. 
Yeah, I yeah. think they're supposed to be like termites, right? Like they're based Oh yeah, on they're like supposed to be termites, which is why they're called mites because they eat wood. That's why they love the wood so much. It's they like, love it. It makes sense. So um, Captain Chuck, he gets a little ballsy with Meatwad, oh, and Meatwad is like, "What's going on here? It's supposed to be dark and us this way. You go where you just head up right now." And he says that heads are our favorite delicacy, second only to wood. Oh, I've seen that movie. In no time, he eats this motherfucker's skull, face, everything, chomps his head right off his shoulders, and just like that, we are down one protagonist. So we're down to the two. Yeah, the two best ones, the two most important ones. So our two remaining heroes are taken away and stuffed underground by traitorous human slave masters who are working for the mites. Also, I love that the these bounty hunter slave masters, they literally talk like slave owners. They're like, well, I'm just going to get down there in that pit, boy. Yeah, and the fucked up thing is it's only been like 20 years since they took over. Yeah, how did they like resort to this accent? They were in fucking Oregon. They reverted Portland culture from the leftist liberal paradise that it is in 2020. To, to pre-Civil War era. I mean, it, over a course of 20 years to the point that they don't even remember how to shake each other's hands. Yeah, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Over the course of this film, Dr. Bruce tries to shake hands with everybody that he meets, and none of them even, they just don't even recognize the gesture. Nope. These bugs have fucked the minds up of all these Portlandiers. I don't know what the, <laughs> what the term is. Portlandianites? Yeah. Port Flanders, Oakley Doakley. All right, we'll go with that. So all these Port Flanders are living in the cave underground because that's all the, that's the quarters that they're given by the human, I guess, what would you call them, traitors? Yeah. Traders who have chosen to work on the side of the mites. And this is where Lieutenant Gabrielle decides that she's going to befriend her fellow wood slaves. It doesn't really work out too well for her because everybody, no, nobody wants anything to do with her or Bruce. They're a little standoffish to outsiders, but here they meet Jeff. My name is Jeff. My name is Jeff. My name is Jeff. <laughs> Thank you. Who hey. remembers their probe mission from when he was just a young man? Although, this was 20 years ago, so he was probably, what, 12? Because he's only in oh. his early 30s now, although he looks like he's 70. Okay, let's get this part right, because this is a continuity issue. They left 40 years ago. Uh. The invasion was 20 years ago. Yeah. The invasion happened while they were in space. Yes. This guy's 35 years old. His growth was stunted. How does this work? How does he remember the probe mission? Well, I don't know, because again, we run into this where they talk about the age of the president. Yeah. We'll get there, but when we meet him, he's in, what, like his 60s, maybe 70s? But 60s. supposedly president when, uh, when the mission took off, so it would have been 40 years ago. It means he was elected when he was in his 20s. That he would have been a JFK, a, a JFK president. A, a real Barack Obama, so to speak. So Jeff explains that the invasion by the aliens is all about wood. They harvest it, and they ship it back to their home planet because it is as good as gold to them. It's basically their currency. Well, this is like Battlefield Earth, except instead of harvesting the Earth for actual gold, they're harvesting it for 
wood, which is one of our most abundant natural resources. Is that that movie about Scientology with a... Uh, uh, it is, with uh, Jim yeah. Travolta and uh, Rutger Hauer. It's hard to believe that like John Travolta is in Saturday Night Fever... But yeah. then he's in the movie about Scientology. He's really good at dancing and believing in fictional deities. Yeah. Oh my god! Up your nose with a rubber hose! Oh! What's in the bowl, Mr. Cotter? Oh! So I took her out for a burger, threw it down her throat, cause I got that kind of money. Oh! <laughs> So it turns out that the mites remove a finger for any attempt of, on a slave to escape. And, yeah, because they eat them! And when you lose too many fingers to actually do your work, you get bug-fucked to death. Boy, do you! Yeah, so you don't want to lose those, and I think there's a limit. It's probably about six. So, Jeff and the slaves say that they are eagerly waiting for El Presidente to swoop down from his bunker in the mountains and save everyone with his army of insurgents. Freedom! Freedom! Yeah, just, yeah, just like, like uh, George Michael. Yeah, just like uh, Michael Gibson. Yeah, and Fred Durst. Because you what gotta is- have faith. <laughs> So, Dr. Bruce and Gabrielle go to work the next day and notice that a bunch of the slaves are giving each other some very suspicious hand signals. Head. Yeah, hand fellatio. Hand fellatio? What are you, my dad? Never fall for hand fellatio. It is not the same thing. So some asshole has a heart attack, and Dr. Bruce takes a moment to check him out. But it turns out he just wanted to steal his gloves. He gives the worst CPR I've ever seen. He doesn't even try. The mites, the aliens, drag the corpse away, and all of the slaves get to eat some creamed corn from a bucket. Do they? Yeah, this is like, it was kind of reminiscent of the Silence of the Lamb scene, where he's just dropping a bucket down a well, and all these slaves in the cave are just digging into this creamed corn. It eats the creamed corn or it gets the hose again. Yeah. And they don't wait for the hose because by the time Dr. Bruce and Gabrielle get to the bucket, it's empty. And so after Dr. Bruce is done digging the hole with his wooden spoon, they yeah. say he carved that wooden spoon from an even bigger wooden spoon. Yeah. He lays down to a little bit of schmush-mush from uh, Gabrielle. A little schmoo-schmoo. And this is where Gabrielle gets struck with a different kind of bug. The love bug. Oh, I thought we were going to say the cock bug, but all right. But they have dirty sex on a cave floor like only a couple of slaves under the oppression of a alien bug race can do. And you know her chooch at this point is stankin'. Oh, it's ripe. It's been a couple Ro- of days. I, I think, think the that... term is rosy. Really? Is that what they say? Yeah, Bruce Campbell could smell that rosy punani from the dance floor all the way up in VIP, baby. Oh, yeah, well, he's, got, he's got a little bit of a talent for it. He does. Um, it's Bruce. So the next day, they get caught doing a little bit of sexual sign language with one another. And Gabrielle gets boltoned by the alien guards. Yep. By which I, I mean tied up to a giant wooden X. But Bruce ain't having none of this shit. No, he takes this opportunity to finally start kicking everyone's ass. But the slaves are way too meek to follow him in this effort. Yeah, this is where Bruce, he frees Gabrielle, and he starts yelling, Freedom! 
Freedom! Freedom! But he can't William Wallace his way out of this one. So they decide to sneak attack a might guard with a drill bit to the gut. Yeah, it turns out that's all it fucking takes. It was very simple. Uh, well, maybe not all it takes. He drill bits him to the gut, but they also bat him to the dome. Yeah, I feel like that was a little overkill. It, it wasn't exactly necessary. But he no. dies spurting green blood like a bitch. Yeah, fuck him. He's dead. So, naturally, our heroes take this opportunity to steal some shit and run free. And they are, of course, pursued by some slave masters on horses like it's fucking Planet of the Apes. But I love that they, they escape the, the sawmill. It's Captain Bruce, Gabrielle, and uh, young, uh, what did you name him? I think that was Bam Bam. Bam Bam, yes. <laughs> Christ. Yes, they uh, the three of them go running, and they say, hey, let's split up, because why the fuck not? Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain Bruce, Gabrielle, they go another way. Captain Bruce grabs little Bam Bam. They run another way over to a rock quarry, where they are pursued by the bounty hunters who are riding horseback, where Captain Bruce has one of the alien weapons and shoots a pulse cannon at the, uh, the bounty hunters, and they go flying off the rock quarry its style. You say pulse cannon, I say didgeridoo. Ooh, it did look like a didgeridoo. So the power of that noise blasts them backwards off of a sand dune into a reservoir. Meanwhile, while this is going on, we got Gabrielle running for her life, being pursued by the bounty hunters who are also on horseback. And they go a little overkill on this one, where they get a Terminator 2-style grenade launcher shooting at the T-1000, but it's this young, sexy little thing. And they pop that fucking, uh, the ground right in front of her that explodes like a Molotov cocktail, and she goes flying. She proves that she's a little bit of a badass by taking out a couple of them with a rifle. But, you know, badass as she is, she does get recaptured. And I assume just... Gets her finger cut off, because that's what they do. Or graped. Hey, it's not a damn that scary episode if we don't have some grape. So our heroes fire the alien didgeridoo like a fucking bazooka, which launches them into a nearby reservoir, where they are presumed to be dead, which is super smart by our alien mites. So smart. Luckily, they find themselves in the cave of a very attractive cave woman. Yeah, so after that, we find our two heroes... Swimming to shore, just like Arnold Schwarzenegger from Predator, and that's where they actually hear a, over here. Ah, oh, Billy Dukes. No, not Billy Dukes. We're talking about Lil Busy, or as you coined her, Pebbles. Pebbles! Who yeah. Takes them back to the Village of Peace. But uh, I'm a little confused by this part too, Greg, because Little Pebbles looks at Captain Bruce and says, I've met you before. That's a little weird, right? Like, what is That's that? so weird. Was this like a dropped plot line, or is this just something that was cut out of the script, or what? I think they were going with uh, something along the lines of maybe he delivered her? Since we're now headed with Pebbles back to the Village of Peace, we in turn meet Pussy Willow, Pussy who Willow. is the leader of the Freedom Village. Yep. Just getting right to the point, he says, We live in peace. But I refuse to help you 
rescue your friend Gabrielle because I don't know her and I don't want to rock the boat with those slavers over there with all those alien mics. And also, I love slugs that fuck. Yeah, he uh, kind of just throws that in there, which is kind of awkward for the first time you meet someone. Yeah. I don't know if I'd bring that up on a first date. I don't know if I'd bring that up within two seconds of shaking someone's hand. Like, hey, buddy, are you also interested in the sexual patterns of invertebrates? (laughs) And Bruce says, no, I'm not. I'm here because I want to save my fucking friend. Yeah. Are you going to do it or not, Pussy Willow? It turns out you're not. So I'm headed to the mountains. To find the president. Because my only hope is the President of the United States, much like one of the greatest films of all time, which, of course, is Escape from New York. I guess I go in one way or the other. We gotta save the President. We gotta turn him to our side. We gotta recruit an army. And we gotta come back and kick the aliens' asses. We find uh, our heroes, Bam Bam, Pebbles, and Captain Bruce yeah, going probably, into the... Probably Fred and Barney also. They might as well be in there. I mean, sure. Why not? Uh, oh, they're headed to they're headed to the mountains to find El Presidente. Meanwhile, they come across a guy that... Uh, Jesus Christ. At this point of the movie, I feel like I'm watching a fucking Monty Python movie. So the lip syncing is kind of terrible. The beards are incredibly fake. Yeah. Yeah. So we come across a guy in the woods who is uh, apparently the greatest fisherman ever, throwing fish around, and uh, Captain Bruce tries to introduce himself, and all this fisherman does is pull a piece out on him and says, Hey, you here to steal my fish? Meanwhile, Gabrielle is dropped back into the slave hole at the lumber mill. The mites are having a sex funeral at their green orb for their fallen comrade. They are pondering over the orb. And which this I think is right is... about the time Jeff mentions that nobody has ever killed a mite before, which seems a little odd. It seems really dumb because if you're in the military, if you have a gun, these things die. If you have a, a pointy stick or, say, a sharpened piece of wood, which is abundant, these pointy things die. Pointy stick, eh? What if he comes at you with a banana? These people have been in slavery for 20 goddamn years, and they never thought to stab one of the aliens? Or crush one of their skulls with something blunt and heavy? Well, regardless, the fact that one of them has been killed kind of gets everybody thinking. Maybe, just maybe, we can start a little bit of an insurrection here. We can take Portland back for the people. Yeah, January 6th! Okay, so Bruce and his cave people hike through the mountains in search of El Presidente. In short time, they witness a runaway slave being shot. Baca! Bruce rescues him, pours filthy potato liquor onto his wound, and rips the bullet out of him with his bare hand. His bare hands! And I will note, he did not bother stitching him up. He did not actually do anything to fix up his wound. He just said, you know what, you're good. I got the bullet out of you. You're going to be fine. I would trust Bruce Campbell to do open heart double, uh, no, quadruple bypass surgery on me, no questions asked, with some potato vodka or potato booze, whatever the fuck that shit was. Honestly, he lends credence to the philosophy that if you do anything with enough confidence, people will accept it. Half of it's mental. 
Honestly, yeah. May his recovery be swift. So, they decide to camp for the night. Bruce gets wasted and passes the fuck out after shitting on dentists for some reason, because I guess they're trying to emphasize the strong difference between MDs and... Uh, DDS. DDS, there you go. So, MDs yeah. versus DDSs. This is a, a strong rivalry. This is like Yale versus Harvard. MDs versus double dick syndrome. And whoever wrote this fucking movie just had to had to emphasize the fact that dentists are maligned in the medical industry. I mean, dentists have the highest suicide rate of any profession. I mean, they're probably just one step above proctologists, right? Oh, butt guys? Yeah. Yeah. Ass man. Because <laughs> I'm an ass man. Bram, I guess you can either be a tooth man or an ass man. It's your choice, but you're still going to be bottom of the totem pole when you go to the medical conventions. Yeah, just like that episode of Seinfeld. What's the deal with gay friends? So, the next day, our cave heroes run afoul of a bounty hunter. Bruce crossbows him in the fucking heart, and then saves his life and recruits him onto their team. He probably should have let him fucking die. Well, this is becoming a pattern now. He's killing people, bringing them back to life, and then recruiting them. I don't know if there's some kind of, like, Jesus analogy going on here, or, like, he's bringing people, he's bringing followers into his fold. Uh, at this point, after 20 hard years, these people don't even know what the fuck a doctor is. No, they don't know what a handshake is. No. So I kind of wonder what they, if they actually understand what a crossbow bolt to the fucking chest is. Mm. They might just think that the aliens have struck them down and uh, the gods have chosen them for death. Who fucking knows? These people are all fucked up. What I do know is that they've been walking in the woods for literal days. Way too long, considering the distance that's uh, been projected for their journey to these mountains. Yeah. Eventually, they meet a lecherous hermit who claims to know where El Presidente is. And this is a major lead for our heroes because it turns out that's exactly what they wanted. This is also like the the hunchback from 300. Like uh -huh. I was Igor from Young Frankenstein. Yeah, he's the hunchback from everything. He's the he's the midget from the spy who shagged me. Yes, yes he is. Yeah, little little Peter Dinklage. I'm not a James Bond guy. They enter a bunker full of former senators and congressmen who are all enfeebled and useless just as they were 20 years prior. Oh, God, they even made some jokes about, like, bills getting passed, and I don't know. I mean, the, the obvious jokes, like the one that I just made. This is during the Bush administration, so I think there were some parallels there. Uh, they even mentioned that the president was Republican earlier in the movie, and they were like, ah, Republicans, ah, ah. The heavily criticized Bush administration, um... Many, many years. Many years, my friend. I'm glad yeah, we, we got past that here in, in Oh, so glad we did. So we got Condoleezza Rice, Dick Cheney, Donald Rumsfeld, the whole crew is hanging out. They're eating slugs that are just trying to have sex with each other. And that's where we are led to a room where we finally meet the elusive El Presidente. Last hope of mankind. However, and just like George Bush... He is painting. And he admits to them that there actually is no rebellion. There is no fighting force. There is no hope against the mites. He has not been amassing a cadre of rebels 
to help out the peaceful village and the slave lumber mill of Portland. He's just been sitting back and uh, Bob Ross in his way through the years. Uh, but he also does make a point to say that, wow, you were one of the probe mission astronauts that actually saved all our lives because of the probe. We knew the invasion was coming, so we came to these mountains to seek refuge. He respects the probe. He loves the probe. He requests the probe. But Bruce politely declines and steps up and says, if you're not going to head this rebellion, someone's going to have to. And that's going to be me. Looking at this motley crew of cavemen and hermits, hunchbacks, midgets, it might just have to be me. Also, at some point where they show Captain Bruce getting John the Fisherman. Of course. And uh, the hunchback of Notre Dame. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, and the bounty hunter that he almost killed. He accumulated, like, ten other fucking people. Yeah, he his army has been growing. They don't show every single one, and thank fucking God that they don't. Oh, thank God. Because it's the same scene every time. He it's shoots like, somebody, he heals them, and they join him. It's a it's a very Robin Hood kind of thing. He's, like, he's amassing this band of merry men, um, and they're all very grateful for him. He becomes their personal Jesus by not letting them die from wounds that he himself inflicted honestly now that i'm saying that it sounds kind of awesome bruce campbell i love you in everything that you do but you really gotta limit the uh the scenes you can't just have you can't show the origin of every single character in your army so bruce and his ragged band of merry cavemen head back to the lumber mill without the president because he was fucking useless but not before he decides to take a minute to heal the hermit's fucked up back. He gives him a straight-up chiropractic adjustment. It turns out that's all this guy needed was to crack his back in order to stand up straight. And Yeah, well, you know, in Portland, I would think he'd be able to find a tiny Asian woman to just stomp on him for, you know, 20 bucks. Right? But, uh, yeah, it is the post-apocalypse. After this amazing chiropractic adjustment, the hunchback of Notre Dame is like, Can I join you on this quest? And Captain Bruce is just like, yeah, sure, join us. Which was, join us. Join us. Join us. One of us. One of us. So that night at camp, Bruce takes a moment to sneak away, be on his own for a moment, to take a fat but peaceful dump. And while he's away, his cave friends are accosted by grape farmers. Oh, boy. Yeah, this again. Bruce returns just in time to crossbow a motherfucker right in the heart after he gave an inappropriate hug to Pebbles. And that's where uh, Bam Bam couldn't fight off the graper. Yeah, he kind of, he folded. He really kind of choked. And Bam 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 says, he graped Pebbles. I tried to stop him, but I just couldn't. Fortunately, Bruce steps up. And he kills his motherfucker while simultaneously calling him stupid, which is... Yeah, I love that. The guy's like, I thought you were a doctor. You're supposed to cure me. And he goes, your stupidity was terminal. And now it's cured. (laughs) Shoots him right in the fucking heart because you're a grape farmer. And that don't stand even in this post-apocalyptic society, sir. But the fucked up part about this whole scene is right after he kills the graper... Uh, he's like, all right, everybody, let's try to get some sleep. 
We got a real big day tomorrow. They brush past it inappropriately quickly. Yeah, meanwhile, poor Pebbles needs to see a doctor who Bruce just happens to be, and also probably a therapist. Not for nothing, like you said, he is a doctor. He is capable of helping her in some way, but he kind of just goes to sleep. He's tired. I mean, he spent a long day shooting people with crossbows. Hey, that could tucker you out real quick. I can understand why he'd be both mentally and physically exhausted, and maybe just not have the wherewithal to really deal with uh, comforting a rape, <clears throat> rape victim. Yeah. Kind of a fucked up scene, though, I gotta say. like This had literally nothing to do with the plot. Nothing to do with anything. This could have just not, been avoided. Did not lead to anything. Did not relate to anything previously. No point whatsoever. So I gotta say, what are you guys doing, man? Josh Becker. What? Help <sighs> me out here. What are you thinking? Why'd you do this? Cut it out, dude. Cut it out. Cut it out. You could have a PG rating instead of a PG-13 rating if you just remove the allusion to graping. Yeah. So, getting past that, because why dwell on it if we don't have to? We got the next morning, where our ragtag group of cavemen finally attack the lumberyard. Yeah, finally! But they also go a little overboard with it. Like, they have a battering ram... For a fence that's literally four feet off the ground. Yeah, unnecessary. It's the Battle of Endor for like five minutes, and they take the shit over super easily. Dude, it turns out these aliens, incredibly easy to kill. They're soft. They're fragile. They've got a lot of squishy parts that are susceptible to stabbing, and they really should not have taken 20 years to realize that they could poke up to death. Because that's all they do. They shoot arrows... They stab them with pointy sticks. They take them all out, and really, there's only like ten of them there. Yeah! There's like a hundred humans and ten, ten mites. So they spend about, I don't know, five to seven minutes just fucking up this lumberyard. When, all of a sudden, the mites start blasting everything with their didgeridoos. And of course, if you're going to attack a mite farm, you should probably expect some retaliation. Oh yeah, Totally. Oddly, the mites fuck up the wood, which supposedly is super valuable to them. But they're just shooting the shit out of it. They're blasting planks and boards and 2x4s, 4x4s, 2x6s. They're just flying everywhere, just getting destroyed. It turns out that 2x4s are also one of our biggest weaknesses. I mean, I think we have that in common with the aliens. If you strike me with a 2x4 in the skull, do I not bleed? If you smash an alien in the fucking dome with a 2 by 4 does green blood not spurt from his nose and mouth and penis? <laughs> we have that commonality. And so I feel like we could come to an understandable agreement at some point. Alright, yeah, so since you're fucking coming everywhere, Bruce Campbell comes in hard with a fucking broadsword. And I don't know where the fuck this shit went. Uh, came from... And he basically straight up turns into William Wallace, shredding these fucks left and right, Devil May Cry style, and you think they have the upper hand on everything, until a Halo tank shows up, full of the mites, and they start fucking shit up. Bruce and the Scottish Rebels were not ready for this shit. 
They were not ready for it at all. This thing rolls up. It's got tank treads. It's got a fucking solid, I don't know what, like steel door that opens up. It releases a bunch of alien troops, which are honestly quickly dis destroyed by arrows. Just like, oh, How do these work. aliens don't, how do they not have fucking armor or they anything suck. like that? I think they just looked at them and said, holy shit, giant termites, we surrender. So at this point, William Wallace gets taken over by the by the bug aliens, yes. and they pull. That's where they do the whole like her and Bruce is like, "Me, I'm the leader," with his fucking sweet swagger. But then we get the rest of them standing up and saying, "No, I'm the leader. No, I'm the leader. I'm Robert Paulson. No, I'm Robert Paulson." Yeah, they all they all dead poet society him or whatever the fuck that movie. Was. Oh, Captain! Oh, Captain! Yeah, whatever. Captain, my captain. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you're smarter than me, Greg, because you read more. But anyways, back yeah. to this movie, a movie that fucking matters, not what uh, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire has to say about shit, because she's fucking dead. Watch your mouth, young man. He's fucking dead. Dead? Bruce Campbell <laughs> is about to be executed by these fucking alien overlords. But then, who comes to the fucking rescue, Greg? That's right! El Presidente and his band of senators, they show up with arrows, and El Presidente has the same fucking sword that Bruce Campbell has, and they come in, and they start fucking shit up. All the aliens, they fucking die. Bruce gets his sweet sword back. They fuck shit up. All the aliens are fucking dead. Victory comes swift for our human heroes. Swift! And sweet. These aliens are soft as fuck, even when they have a tank. They're shooting missiles everywhere. They only manage to cause collateral damage where they destroy their own human slave owners. Yeah. Which is, you know, satisfying for those of us who have lived through that era of American history. Absolutely! 40 years ago. Everything blows up for a few minutes, and when the smoke clears, all we have left is Bruce, who becomes the King of Earth. Captain King Bruce of Doctors. El Presidente and Pussy Willow all just bow down to Bruce and say, You are our new master, sir. Even though we brought this Robin Hood-esque group of uh, rebels here to help you out, you're the man. And everyone kind of just gets in a circle and starts sucking Bruce Campbell's dick. That's literally what happens here. Earth is saved forever, and we come to... The end. But it turns out that they uh, they went to sawmill to sawmill, freeing all the humans. Oh, shut the fuck these... up. I said it's the end. Okay, okay, okay. But because those aliens are, and I know this is a little dated, but I'm still using it. The aliens are S-A-W-F-T. Soft. That's cool. I get it. I got it. I'm, I'm... Oh, go fuck yourself. Greg, how do you feel about this motion picture? It was advertised as Army of Darkness meets Starship Troopers. I mean, when you really watch it, when you really analyze the script, you, you take a look at the special effects, the acting, the writing, the overall plot. I gotta say, it's, uh... It's 110% accurate. This is a 5 out of 5 for me. This is a fucking <laughs> beautiful picture. One of Bruce Campbell's best. Easily my favorite Josh Becker film from 2005. It's perfect in every way. I mean, you've got astronauts, you've got bugs, you've got didgeridoos, you've got Bruce Campbell in all his glory, you've got Renee O'Connor of Xena fame. 
Who doesn't love that? Love her. Um, you got some questionably mentally challenged cavemen. It's always a good time. You've got a hunchback. You've got a president of, uh, I don't know, maybe inappropriate age. Kind of looks <laughs> like meatloaf. Easy five out of five. Scariest for me, my friend. What do you think? It's a made-for-sci-fi movie. There is very minimal gore. Yeah. Terrible CGI. Okay. Ah, oh, God. If it wasn't for Bruce Campbell, this movie, I, I wouldn't even give it the time of day. That's much more uh, realistic, yes. There is literally one other woman in this movie other than uh, the Xena chick, and that's uh, who you named Pebbles, who is busy. Well, well, well uh, to, to be fair, we don't and I, actually I, know the gender or sex of the mites. Uh, yeah, okay. I think they're all asexual, just like Smurfs. You know what? Yeah, this is kind of a uh, a Smurfette situation here. Because that village, the Freedom of Hope or whatever, the Village of Freedom, there's only one girl, and that's Busy, uh, or Pebbles. And uh, so, yeah, she's clearly Smurfette. Well, maybe that's maybe that name is thematic, now that I'm thinking about it. Because she's busy? Maybe she's busy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hmm. That's terrible. <laughs> she, bu- she busy getting busy. Fuck. All right, now I would give this movie a two, but because of Bruce, I'm giving it a three. Okay, that's fair. Can't say I agree with you necessarily because it's easily a five out of five. But I uh, yeah okay, we can't all be correct. I I had fun watching it. I probably Absolutely. I'll watch it forty years from now. You know when we're in space. If there's one thing that Bruce Campbell brings to the table, it is fun. It is entertainment value. It is a good time. So. Like you said, even if this was a fucking two out of five garbage made for sci-fi film, it's worth seeing because Bruce is always, always the entertainer. He is. Can't emphasize that enough. Worth checking out. Always Bruce, man. He's always Bruce. Take a look. It's in a book. It's fucking Bruce Campbell. But yeah, Greg, where are we going next week? Probably to space, if I ask The space! Space! We're going to space. You want to give a little bit of a hint as to what's coming next week? Uh, there's probably going to be uh, aliens involved. Yep. Anything else? Space. Okay. Anything else? Spaceships. Sure. How about uh, anything else? Maybe some space pirates. All right. Be a little more specific. Probably Ron Perlman. Sure. Okay. One more. That one guy from CSI. Okay, I'm not sure if that's... I don't think anybody's figured it out yet. A little bit more. A little more detail. Maybe uh, maybe a little fella? Like, a, I don't know, someone without legs? What do you call that? A paraplegic? A parallelogram. Oh, okay. <laughs> Takes me back to 8th grade geometry. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I don't know. Maybe Winona Ryder? Well, that uh, that's a whole different appeal. Yeah. Stay tuned, folks. We're going to have a little Winona Ryder feature for you next week. Basically, yeah. Greg and I are going to go back to 1997, and we are going to bring you uh, a review that you didn't know that you fucking needed. Some of our more astute listeners may have picked up on what we're getting at here. I think everybody listening picked up on what we're getting at here. I think Winona Ryder is at the edge of her seat right now, uh, ready to hear a review of one of her best films quivering in anticipation stealing jewelry in anticipation 
such a rush right before the security guard tases you into a coma with that said my motherfucking co-host why don't you just love each other why don't you just fucking care about each other most importantly keep it it spooky Damn, that's scary. Face!